Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Points and Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh. Peter and Kevin are away today. So with me is my co-host, Jesse, and special guest host, Graham. Jesse, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a beer that's called Kapow. <laughs> it's from Rainhard Brewing. It is hoppy and very citrusy. It's going, it's taking me, the first couple sips are taking me a little bit to get down, but it's a little <laughs> bit potent beer, uh, 6.5% IPA, but uh, the name definitely gives the, the flavor to my taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> the kapow. Kapow. Uh, Grant, what are you drinking? I, uh, my local LCBO is closed right by my house, so I got just some uh, classic bush. The dirty old bush. <laughs> dirty old bush. Okay there, Kev. <laughs> Josh, what are you drinking tonight? So I've got a beer from Skeleton Park Brewery out of Kingston, Ontario. Uh, it's called uh, the Amber 6.6. And it's got a picture of what looks like a fucking dinosaur on it with a, a skull, skeleton. 6.6% strong beer. Aww. It's, uh, it's an amber. It's uh, pretty fucking good, actually. I like it. Just cool. a bit higher than mine. Yep, just a little bit. You're just like searching for all of them now. Eh? <laughs> Actually, when I was in the liquor store this last time, I was looking around. All I could find was like six sixes, six sevens. I'm like, damn it, where's the ten point <laughs> uh, I, I can't believe you go... drank that last week. That was yeah, it was good. I was gonna buy another sparkle puff just because I, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, Skeleton Park Brewery out of Kingston. So far, so good. It's a uh, it's a nice amber strong beer so this week we're going to switch it up a bit we're going to start with the nba so it's going to be our uh, nba finals update so when we le- last left you the phoenix suns were up two nothing they are now down three two to the milwaukee bucks Woo! the bucks have won three straight <laughs> game three game four and game five three and four were in milwaukee five was in phoenix which is a huge win in game three, Giannis had 41 points, 13 boards, and six assists. Dominating, like, in the second game. Yeah, exactly. And if you guys remember, uh, I actually called this win. And now I did say that uh, the, the Suns were going to win game four and game five, but uh, I fucked that one up big time. But So I did at least call game three that, uh, that the Bucks were going to win. So in game three with Giannis's 41 points, that makes Giannis and Theonis combine for the most points by brothers in NBA Finals history with 41 Again, Giannis had 41, and the brothers combined for 41. (laughs) In game three, through the first three quarters, in the last 25 years, Giannis joined some elite company with 30-plus points, 10-plus boards, and 5-plus assists, including Jordan in 97, LeBitch James in 2016, and KD in 2018. And between game two and three, Giannis had back-to-back 40-point games, Sorry, 40 point and 10 rebound games. And the only two players to do that are Shaq in Y2K and again, LeBitch James in 2016. Even though he's LeBitch James, man, he's still superstar. He's a great player, 100%. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a LeBitch. That's all it is to him. <laughs> uh, jumping into game four, Devin Booker played a game uh, in a losing effort, but he played a big time game. He had 38 points through the first three quarters, which is the third most in NBA Finals history in the last 25 years. 
next only Stephen Curry, who had 40 in 2019, and my boy AI, who had 38 in 2001. Uh, back in the day, I was a huge Iverson fan, and I absolutely loved him when he came out of the draft, and you know that epic crossover against Jordan. And but uh, you know, this isn't practice. That's when he scores, not, <laughs> not practice. Yeah, this guy's about to get paid. Uh, Booker, he's dominating at, all through the playoffs and everything like that, and just even through the, the season. So it's it's not surprising what he's doing here, just because of how dominant he has been this year. But it's fun to watch him. For, even though I'm cheering for the Bucks, it's fun to watch him a lot. Like I obviously Chris Paul's there, but Booker is a rising star. He's fucking amazing, man. Like yeah. he's he's really fucking good. And I believe this is his last year of his contract, so he's gonna get paid. Yes, he will. He would probably get an extension, even if it wasn't just so they could lock him up, because that would be smart. But, but like I said, I'm pretty sure you're right. It is his last season, so he will get paid. Well, that's the thing is they'll. I, I guarantee that the Suns are going to try and keep him, especially since they were they they got into the finals and they they were up two games to none. So, yep. there. I don't know. I guess they'll bring. Is Chris Paul a free agent after this, or is he? I'm not sure about that one. If they get the game gang back together, even even if they they come back and win, which I don't see happening, but I think they I think he'll come back and they'll they'll try and get everyone back to try and get back in the finals. Well, it's not really Booker's fault, right? Well, I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> they they got to play defense too. Yeah, but <laughs> offensively, it's not Booker's fault. That's what I mean. Yeah, through Game Four, Booker scored more points in his first NBA Finals than anyone in NBA history. So Booker's got 532 points. Can't be finals. There's no way he scored 532 points. In the I was going to say so what? Yeah. yeah. Typo. <laughs> NBA playoffs. <laughs> uh, so Booker has 532 through 20 games. Rick Barry had 521 through 15 games in 1967. And Julius Irving had 518 points throughout 19 games in 1977. So he's played one more game, but he's got quite a few more points and, uh, He's got at least one more game to go, so he's going to keep tacking on to that. And then through game four, Chris Middleton had made 15 game-tying or go-ahead buckets in the fourth quarter or overtime within this postseason, which is pretty fucking good for your secondary guy. So that must be going to, like, double overtime or or something like that as well before. Because that's a lot of game-tying or go-ahead buckets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For, For the playoffs, at least. And so that ties him with LeBitch James in his <laughs> 2007 postseason campaign. Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so ties LeBitch in two, 207 uh, for the most points in a single postseason in the last 25 years. And then still sticking with Middleton in game four. The Bucks are 5-0 and this postseason when Middleton scores 30-plus points. And to kind of segue into game five, Middleton scored 29 points. And they, the Bucks didn't end up pulling out the win. So not quite the uh, same stat, but he was damn close to uh, to making that six and zero when he scores thirty plus. But it's it's ne- it's plus or minus, you know, like one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so throughout uh, Game Five, uh, the Suns were up early. The Bucks fought back to take the lead, and they kind of held the lead throughout the pretty much the entire second half. And the Suns rallied late to make the game close in the fourth quarter. But Booker's turnover with less than 30 seconds to go results in a game-clinching alley-oop from Holiday to Giannis, which was a really nice alley-oop. But in my opinion, Holiday fouled Booker. I, it just shouldn't happen, in my opinion. But 
you know, a billion people will say I'm wrong and a billion other people will say I'm right. So it is what it is. And, uh, you know, turnover is a turnover. It's the playoffs. They don't call. Right. They swallow their whistles, bud. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it, was, it was a heartbreaker for Phoenix to, uh, they were leading early and then to, to come back and then to lose it again. But that way it was, uh, was shitty, but Hey, it is what it is. So they got to fight back for game six, which is Tuesday in Milwaukee. And this will be the first chance for the Bucks to win a championship in over 50 years. Now, also in game five, Chris Paul reached seventh all time in playoff assists with 1,063. And that'll probably <laughs> be as far as he gets this season. He would have to get another 60 some odd assists, actually a little more than that, I think 70 assists in the next two games, if it were to go to seven for him to move up to six all time. So we'll probably leave that until next year. <laughs> Which he's coming back for, which we discussed already. Yeah, hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. I think, like you said, if they can bring back those three guys uh, in Aiton, Book, and and CP3, I I think they're uh, they're going to be in good shape next year to make another run and and uh, be another playoff and championship contender. All right, guys. The last thing here, just quickly fly through the NBA here, is the play-in tournament. So we've heard that the play-in tournament will stick around for the 2021-22 season. I don't mind this it does give that, uh, that extra team or extra two teams, I guess, a chance to get in and, you know, makes it a little uneasy for the seven, eight seeds that would normally be in there. Uh, makes it a little uneasy for them. Cause they just don't know. Maybe you lose to the, to the number 10 team. Uh, Jess, I know you're not a huge fan of this. Well, like the seven, eight team gets got in from each play in. They did this year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was pointless to, to me and, and NBA doesn't have, the, the low-level teams don't do so well, like in NHL, where the low-level teams beat the high-level teams. Right, Graham? <laughs> <laughs> mm, all right. Okay. Uh, look, he's been his tongue so hard there. <laughs> but th- th- that's my only issue is NBA's is the top-end players just have are just way better than everyone else, and they all have superstars on their team. So where as an NHL you have to play more chemistry, I find. But that's just just my opinion. And, like, I'm pretty sure they didn't even get past the first round, none, none of the seven or eight teams. I have no problem doing that when there's a shortened season and one up to just trying to help out. Same with baseball, right? But once you're having this full season, do you really need to tinker with it and do you just run with the eight teams? Right. Like, there's, are, there's already a bunch of teams make the playoffs anyways. Like, if it was MLB, it would be a little bit more exciting, I find. Right. Like, I know there's already a bunch of games in MLB, but – Besides the the wild card one game, which I do like, yeah, because like you have like teams going all in on that wild card game just to go one more series, like a mm-hmm. extra series, right? So I do like the MLB, but there's not that many people that or not many teams that make the actual playoffs after that yeah. wild card. No, no, yeah, game. you're right. So like I'd be okay with it, like a playing tournament for MLB, but. I find in MLB, it's like it, it, you can you can upset people a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, pitcher like you you put your ace in and he just shuts them down or whatever. Well, just think of stupid David Price. He sucks in the playoffs for us, and he sucked for us when we had him. And yet we yeah. used a, we used him in a reliever role at one point, and I think he ended up losing the game for us. Yeah. So like there there there's certain people that just can't get over that playoff drought, right? I could go somewhere with this, but I'll, I'll hold on. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on the NHL yet. <laughs> not quite. Uh, since we've kind of transitioned already into the MLB, let's just slide right in there. Keep going. 
I'm going to start off here with the MLB draft. A lot of people aren't going to give two shits about this because these guys are a long way away from the bigs. Jesse and I, on the other hand, are in a dynasty fantasy league, and we need to know these names because we'll probably be <laughs> drafting them in the next year or two. <laughs> so number one pick went to the Pirates. Uh, they chose Henry Davis. He's a catcher. Lots of good things I've heard about this guy. And uh, the Pirates can use every bit of talent they can get because they fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, but they, they need <laughs> pitching really bad too, so I'm shocked they didn't go with Jack Leiter. Yeah, fair enough. That's, dude, that's who I thought was the number one overall pick. But their ballpark's really nice, so. <laughs> uh, Jack Leiter was the number two pick. He's a right-hand pitcher, and he went to the Texas Ranger. He is the son of ex-Blue Jay Al Leiter. Huh. Uh-huh. Now you know. Knowing is half the battle, right? Nope. Uh, the number three picks, Jackson Job, or maybe it's Joby. Maybe I should figure that out for when I draft him. <laughs> Job. <laughs> Jobe. Uh, he is also a right-hand pitcher, and he went to the Tigers. That was another shocker. I thought uh, Rocker would be there, but I think he went like tenth. Really? Because they were, yeah. Because like he was pretty dominant, and then he kind of cooled off. But he still has a lot of talent, I find. And there was another shortstop that went, I think, after Job or whatever his name is, Job. <laughs> <laughs> that I re- I really like too, but I can't I can't remember his name either. But I'm pretty sure he went in the top five. Sorry, the fantasy draft's not for a while. You got time to research. I know, I know. I, I kind of did. I kind of was like listening to some prospect stuff, and they went into like yeah, the college recruits, and I'm like, I don't care about these guys right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did catch. I, I remember catching a bunch of names, and I was like, oh yeah. And then yeah, lighter went second. I thought he would go number one. Number nineteen in the first round, Gunnar Hoagland, right hand pitcher. He went to our Blue Jays in uh, 2021 at Mississippi. He threw for 62.2 innings. He was 4-2, and two, a 2.87 ERA, a .91 whip, and he had a 97-17 to 17 K to walk ratio, which is pretty good. That's fantastic. How many innings did he pitch? 62 points, so almost 63. So, yeah, that's that's a really good uh, K per nine inning. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is off the top of my head, but it, that's really good. And that's what we need. We need, we need strikeout throwers. For sure. And then a couple other guys here uh, that we're going to go into just because we are in Southern Ontario here. The number 48 pick overall, which was the second round, was Calvin Ziegler. He's a right-hand pitcher. He went to the Mets, and he's from Heidelberg, Ontario, which is no more than 20 minutes outside of town here. And the number 337th pick, which was the 11th round, Adam Shoemaker, a left-handed pitcher, went to the Atlanta Braves, and he's from Cambridge, Ontario, which, again, is no more than 20 minutes from here. Josh, do you think uh, this Calvin Ziegler is from is uh, one of the sons of Ziegler Electric? <laughs> I mean, he could be. It's possible. I don't know, but it's possible. He, he's out in Mennonite country, too. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know. <laughs> you see, you yeah. see a bunch of ball, uh, ball fields out there, so it'd yeah. be pretty neat to see a, a Mennonite out there. <laughs> Heidelberg is pretty nice. Yes, it is. So that kind of wraps up the MLB draft for us. Uh, we don't need to go into a bunch more because, uh, again, most people have no idea who these guys are. Didn't the Angels use all of their picks on pitchers? Did you read that? No, I didn't. It was. Uh, I think they used all like 20 of their picks on all pitchers. I mean, if your scouting department is really good at pitching, like at picking pitchers, then why wouldn't you? And then just go ahead and trade them later for for other other positional prospects, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I can't even think of a good pitcher from 
LA Angels at all that they grew through their farm system. Yeah. Right. So the, so it, is that a mistake then? <laughs> if they can't pick pictures, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> I guess they're trying something new, but I yeah, it's 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 weird because I'm I'm blanking on any good pitcher f- in their farm system. I'm blanking on any good pitcher other than fucking Shohei. <laughs> Yep, I'm the same way. Wow, yep. I have no idea. I think Bundy was supposed to be pretty good this year, but he just kind of shit the bed. So the San Diego Padres had quite an interesting week after the All-Star break. On Friday, they defeated the Washington Nationals 24-8, to which was the most runs in franchise history. Sounds more like a softball game, kind of like our softball games, except we'd be the Washington Nationals because we usually lose. <laughs> Those 32 total runs are the most in a game this season in the MLB. Uh, Jake Cronenworth hit the third cycle in franchise history on Friday. Uh, Matt Kemp and Will Myers were the other two for the Padres in the past. And Cronenworth is the third player to appear in an all-star game and then hit for a cycle in his first game after the all-star break. And he joins Joe DiMaggio in 1937 and Brooks Robinson in 1970. Pretty good company to be uh, to be in with while you hit a cycle after the All-Star game. Yeah, for sure. And just hitting a cycle in general is pretty uh, pretty fucking good. So 100%, 100%. And I never knew that Will Myers hit for the cycle. Yeah. I'm kind of – I'm shocked to hear that. Like, he's a good player, but I didn't think he was that good. Well, speaking of Will Myers – He's dropped off since then. Well, except for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday, he hit three for six with a grand slam, seven RBIs, and scored three runs. So he did I in that 24 to eight drubbing of the Nationals. Right. And that, that might be another reason why uh, Jake Cronenworth got the cycles because he had ample opportunity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting 24 runs. For sure. Now, the Padres have hit 13 Grand Slams since the start of 2020, which is the most in the MLB. And that just seems like it's a lot. I'm not sure how many that would be compared to other years or throughout, you know, a year and a half, whatever. But it just seems like that's a lot of Grand Slams for a team to be hitting in in a year. And they played less games last year. Mm -hmm. So after their wild night on Friday with that huge win, The game on Saturday, which was in Washington, was halted in the sixth inning because of a shooting outside the third base side of the stadium. So they had asked a lot of all the fans to stay in the stadium for the time being. And then eventually they all told them to head out the right field exits uh, and or the first base exits to to stay as far away from the, the potential shooting as they could have. Personally, I think I would have hung out a little bit more and had another beer or two because... Like, if there's going to be a shooting, those people aren't sticking around. They usually take off. So where might they be? They could be over in the right field gate or maybe at the first base gate. So I would have been hanging out a little longer in the stadium. It was a pretty crazy scene because at one point you saw San Diego players going up into the stands or, or kind of ushering their families down. And then eventually just other other people, just in general, they ushered them down to the to the field and brought them right into the dugout. And some were right even in the clubhouse with, with the Padres. So they were really concerned about just humans in general, you know, not, not necessarily San Diego fans or, you know, screw the, screw the national fans. They were, they were trying to help and protect uh, whoever they could. So 
good on San Diego for that. I, I really like that. Uh, it shows quite a bit of humility from the team, uh, specifically Manny Machado and uh, Tatis were, were some of the big guys that were in on that and trying to get people safe. Although there was no real eminent danger inside the stadium. When you hear about a shooting, you just never know where these people are. And maybe it could have been as far as, as the players knew or anybody knew at that point, it could have been somebody inside the stadium, which obviously would have wreaked havoc uh, had that happened. So luckily it wasn't in the stadium. It obviously sucks. Now I haven't heard if anybody was killed or, or injured, but nonetheless, the game was, Halted, and I'm not sure what they're going to do. It, six innings, I believe, is a full game for the pros. So yeah, that, that's a full game. So that I think that one's done. Yeah. So pretty wild uh, couple days there for for the Padres and uh, and I guess the Nationals. <laughs> Hopefully the the Saturday events don't happen too often. Yeah, that was that's crazy, and like you said, them bring him down. Now I think. It's it's just how you have to act in that. Get everyone to safety. Bring them into the dugouts or, or the dugouts, the dugout or the clubhouse. And if you get everyone in there, security knows where everyone is, so they can protect all the entrances. But yeah, it's yep. was it was outside this the stadium too. So usually a shooter would just bounce like they wouldn't be right. The, like there would be so much security there. Like it's it seems like a weird, not a smart place to have a shooting. Because yeah. they got cameras everywhere, so you're gonna get caught probably. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shake that shakes down, and we'll keep an eye on it and keep everyone updated for sure. And then again, after the All Star break, the Jays started up. They had three games this week. Played Friday. They were supposed to play Saturday, and then they're supposed to play Sunday. Ended up playing Friday. Saturday's game was postponed, and then had a doubleheader on Sunday, all against the Texas Rangers. So they won Friday night, 10 to two. They won the first game of the doubleheader on Sunday, five, nothing. And won the second game of the doubleheader, 10, nothing. Domination. Hell of a weekend for the Jays. So are in 35 runs to two. That's what we need out of them. We need them to do more and more. I know Texas is lowly on the, uh, on the totem pole. Who cares? A win's a win. And they need to keep (laughs) dominating like that. They haven't been beating the crappy team. So this is good to see. Yeah. hundred percent. These wins should bring the Jays up to third place. I believe they will be 47 and 42. No, I, I won't challenge you. It's 48 and 42. It is 48. Okay, so it's because yeah, I, I won't challenge you just because yeah, I didn't update the give me so it. much upset. <laughs> it's so upset when I do that. But and actually the, the games back have actually changed. And they are six and a half games back of Boston. And two and a half games back of the last wild card spot. Six and a half games back of Boston. That's what I said. Six and a half. Oh, I think you said six. I think you said six. Okay, uh, sorry. Whatever. Six and a half. Fuck you. No challenges on this today. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm correcting you this time. So it's six, all written six, there. So yeah. I, didn't re, I didn't see it the other time. <laughs> I, I was just listening. I was looking up something when you when you said it last time. So six and a half games back of Boston, and two and a half games back of the last wild card. Which I'm okay with, you know, third place. As long as they uh, beat the Yankees, you know, like like we've said in the past, we don't really think that they're going to challenge Boston or Tampa for the AL East division. But we'll take a wild card spot. Well, I got them down for getting second place, so they need to do better than that. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sure Kev would like them to do better than that because who knows what will happen in this <laughs> uh, one wild card game, and he needs them to win, a world, win the World Series. So. Uh, he's still doing at least – they're still in the hunt. My my uh, bet was pretty bad. 
Yeah, really, it's just Kevin and Pete that are kind of in there because my Yanks are below the, the Jays, so. <laughs> Your Yanks. Well, Your my pick. Yankees. My pick. Yeah. My pick, Whoa. the Yankees. Whoa. Traitor. <laughs> just calm yourself. <laughs> All right, so Vlad Guerrero Jr. followed up his all-star game appearance uh, with two home runs, four RBIs on Friday night, and a solo home run during Saturday's second – or, sorry, Sunday's second game of that doubleheader. And Vlad is now the second player, 22 years of age or younger, in MLB history to hit 30 home runs with his, within his team's first 90 games. And the other guy is Joe DiMaggio, who we just mentioned uh, earlier with, with uh, Cronenworth. Some other people he's with. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering from you guys, do you think that Vlad can get the triple crown this year? For the listeners who don't know, that's the MLB leader in home runs, RBI, and average. He's currently second in home runs with 31, only behind Otani, who has 33. He's first in RBIs with 78. Otani is second behind him with 72. And Vlad is first in average with 332. And uh, Michael Brantley is second behind him at 3.30. So you think he gets it? I don't think so. And you think it's the home runs that he misses out on? I think it's the home runs that he's going to miss out because his average has been between 3.32 and 3.40 for pretty much the whole year or half like, the whole year so far. So I, w- I would think that would stay there. Uh, Brantley, yeah, he's a good player, but I, I think it, it'll – it'll decrease a little bit. And then the RBIs, like with being on the Jays, he's going to have ample opportunity to get RBIs. Sure. So I, I think he'll have the RBIs locked up for sure, but I don't think he's going to get the home runs. Well, Shohei, he's that home run derby curse. So he could start to fall off. He sucked at the home derby cur- cur- or at the home run derby though. Yeah. But you know, there's still kind of, that's something going on. And um, they're going to back at the, the Rogers Center with in front of, um, you know, Canadian uh, Jays fans. So I think that'll be uh, enough motivation. And, you know, Rogers Center is a hitter's ballpark to get that home runs. I still think the average is the hardest one to, uh, to hold on to. So I think he can do it. He just uh, he's got to keep his pace, right? FYI, uh, Otani's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just checking his game today. <laughs> yeah, so he hit one today, so he's three yeah. behind Otani now. Yeah, and then he'll be – Otani will have an extra one, at least one for uh, the uh, RBIs as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, funny, we were checking that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, I don't know if he's going to get it. It's a tough one. I hope, just because I want I want Vlad to get it, I hope Otani falls off a bit. If he wins the triple crown, he definitely wins the MVP. There's no question about that, in my opinion. Yep. But it's going to be a tough one because Otani is still hitting. <laughs> Evidently, his shitty showing on the home run derby didn't do anything to uh, to his swing because he hit another one right back, right back this weekend. So it's a it's a battle. It's a battle here for the MVP between those between those two guys, Otani and Vlad. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Just because I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Vlad gets it, I'm gonna say he gets the triple crown, just so I can cheer for him a little more. And every week that goes by, I'm leaning more and more towards getting that Vlad jersey as opposed to the Springer Dinger jersey. Definitely get the Vlad jersey. So a couple more things uh, about the Blue Jays before we move on to the All Star Weekend. Ryan Barucki 
has been activated from the 60 day IL. He had a forearm flexor in his pitching arm. So that's nice to add uh, to our pitching depth. So we can use everything we can get right now. You know, I'm happy that, uh, that he's activated and hopefully he can uh, get into game shape quickly and, uh, and be effective as we, uh, we need some help in any way we can get. Well, I think since he's activated, he's got to be in game shape and he's just a relief pitcher, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I just mean like throwing good games and not being out there throwing beach balls for that first fucking game, you know? Um, we'll see. 60 days is a long time to be out. So hopefully he, uh, he gets his shit together and, and can be a solid addition. And the Jays are desperate for relief pitching. So mm-hmm. you might be right. <laughs> Anything will help at this point. Right. And then, I don't know if it's the biggest news, maybe the second biggest news for the Blue Jays this week. We'll get into the probably the biggest news later on uh, in just a few minutes, but the Jays will be pitch or sorry, will be playing at home in Toronto starting on July 30th. I hate to say it, but Pete was right uh, back in damn. I want to say episode one or two. He said that the Jays eventually will be playing at home. I think it was like the run up to the, to the MLB season. He was like, I, I see them playing in, in Canada sometime this season. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. I'm glad it's happening. Very glad it's happening. For sure. But uh, I'm not I'm not glad Pete was right. I'm glad he's not here to gloat. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it next week anyway. I'm glad he was right. I'm not. I'm glad that he wasn't here to gloat. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's winning too much here. So yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's good to, that he's not here. For sure. Uh, So the Jays were granted a national interest travel exemption and they will be allowed 15,000 fans or approximately 30% of the Rogers center, AKA sky dome capacity. And uh, although Jess, we won't be there that weekend because we're going to be camping Uh, and just a heads up for all you loyal listeners. We won't be having a uh, episode probably, I guess it'll be 28 at that point because we're going to take a week off for our camping uh, excursions so sorry about that. You'll have to go back and listen to episode one or whatever your ep- your favorite episode was. But uh, we will definitely be going very soon after uh, after that weekend. Maybe we'll do a little points and penalties and friends trip. Maybe take a bus or a fucking limo or something and just get, bus. Yeah, <laughs> just get right stinking drunk and have a have a good time at the Jays game. And maybe we'll pick a good team to chirp. Maybe the Yanks or something. Your Yanks. My, yeah, your, my your Yanks, Yanks pick. My Yanks pick. Damn it. <laughs> you will live in shame for the rest of this yeah, season sure. as that pick. <laughs> Watch next season. I'm going to go for the Jays. It's like, yeah, okay, but saving face now. <laughs> Just for you, Jess, I'll take Boston. <laughs> uh, and actually, just about the Yanks here, I just want to touch on it. Uh, they've they have one of their games was postponed based on a bunch of uh, a COVID outbreak within the team. There's a handful of guys that have COVID and one of those guys was Aaron judge. And I hate to remind everybody of this, but he happened to walk out Billy Aaron out onto the field of the all-star game. I really hope he didn't have COVID at that point. She is an elderly lady and she probably could not handle having uh, getting COVID had he transferred it to her. So hopefully However, this works out, you know, hopefully she's, uh, she's well and safe and hopefully she's had some vaccines and hopefully she doesn't uh, have any issues there. I think they definitely, it, it was after because 
I guess, I guess it takes some time for it to be created in your system, but I know with the, the cancellation of the Red Sox and Yankees game on Thursday. Thursday, yep. Yeah, so they must they would have tested everyone from the All Star game because he was he was there, right? So, and I haven't really heard anything from that of anyone being positive besides the Yanks. Right, same here. So you would you would have probably heard something about it by now. So I I think I think she's in the clear. I'm told. Yep. All right, so All Star weekend. Let's start off with the home run derby. Pete Alonso defends his title from 2019. There was no derby in 2020. And he hit a derby record 35 home runs in the first round. This guy was fucking launching balls. It was crazy. I And he's having so much fun. I've never seen a guy have that much fun dancing around, bobbing his head to the beat, and <laughs> just, just jacking home runs left, right, and center. And it, it looked like it was easy for him. You know, he said he loves doing it. He loves hitting home runs. He himself said he feels that he is the best pure power hitter in the game. I mean, that home run derby, pretty hard to argue that uh, after the home run derby, derby, but, you know, there are a couple other big time hitters uh, in the pros that uh, that could maybe challenge him for that. Yeah. I mean, like he's, he's hit a lot, but he's only hit 17 this year. Right. Now. Game action. Yeah. Like it, a lot of guys can hit a ton of bombs off of warm up pitches. Yeah. And I think, a lot of people are more afraid of him now too because they know how much power he is. Because I think he has the record for the most home runs for a rookie. Because he in 2019, I can't remember. I think it was over 50 though. But yeah, home runs as a rookie, most home runs as a rookie. Challenge him, Graham. You got it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. Yeah. Who, who, who's who's the guy that you think? <laughs> That's the not, tough part. Is not coming. Pete Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's definitely a tough one to uh, to guess because there's so much history in uh, in baseball, so many players. So, <laughs> uh, so Alonso winning that Derby title this year. He defeated Trey Mancini in the final. Trey Mancini, if you don't know, uh, came back from cancer this year, and he's been lighting it up all year. Uh, it's too bad that he's in a sh- in a shitty city. Not necessarily the city shitty, but a shitty team uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. But he's playing pretty good. Pretty good. It was nice to see Mancini there. In the- Pete Alonso has set the single season mark for home runs by a major league rookie. Damn. And by a Met. Do you know why? I, I thought it might be somebody else because Aaron Judge had 52 in 2017, and Alonso Pete, had 53 in 2019. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. But yep. point sneezy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we we need we needed a challenge. We did need one. Yeah. <laughs> although, although if we didn't have a challenge at all today, we all would have got minus one. That includes Pete and fucking Kevin, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's tough. Yeah, that would have been I a tough one. I don't. I don't think you can you can give them a minus one. They're not on the show. I mean, I'd give Peter well, like, one. I wouldn't give Kev one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kev would have initiated for sure. Peter, no. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just sat, uh, sat on his laurels there. He's sure. like, I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the home run favorite, Shohei Otani, was bounced in the first round by Juan Soto. They ended up going to a like overtime, home run derby overtime, and then they went to a home run kind of sudden death type thing where you got three pitches 
and you had to hit as many home runs as you could off those three pitches. Soto smashed three. Right away, boom, 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 three home runs. Otani hit a little grounder over to first base on his first pitch of the kind of the three sudden death ones. And uh, so that that balanced him. But on a, on a cool note here, another another thing to just, you know, enjoy and marvel in, in all of that is Otani is he donated his $150,000 home run derby earnings to Angels support staff. You know, so, you know, that includes like some of the, you know, the people behind the scenes uh, that, you know, trainers and, and maybe not necessarily the trainers, but the lower end trainers. It's the people that aren't making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I think that's great. I mean, you know, Otani's making a shit ton of money. Sure, $150,000 buys him a, you know, a really nice car or something. But to uh, to spread the love around and to donate that to the Angels support, support staff, I think that's a, a great uh, a great thing that, that Otani did there. No, for sure. Great thing that he did because he's he already made a bunch of money before he even picked up the the bat or the ball coming into the league and he knows where to give it to people that that need it uh if you checked on instagram we had done a points of penalties bracket for the home run derby we did not do well at all not at all so kevin and jesse had zero picks correct big goose egg (laughs) big old goose egg Peter had one correct. He had Alonzo in the first round and I was a big winner and I had two correct. <laughs> I had Alonzo in the first round and Mancini in the first round. So we did not do good. We, I mean, Jesse, you had Gallo to win. The rest of us had Otani. I had Gallo going to the finals and he was bounced in the first round. So we just, we have no idea who's, who can hit home runs and who can't, <laughs> but yeah. Different game. Yeah, different game for sure. <laughs> Worked out for me. I end up getting one point to penalty point, which will add up a little later on. And then, of course, the next day, the home run derby was on the Monday, and on the Tuesday was the All-Star game. And the AL had won their eighth consecutive All-Star game. They won 5-2. to two. Pete, Jesse, and myself were correct choosing the AL, and Kevin was wrong with the NL. Good Reason thing. why he wasn't here. Yeah, he didn't want to. He's like, I got another thing wrong. <laughs> Good thing we were points out. Yeah, big goose egg in the with me as well in that home run derby, but couldn't win the couldn't get a 50 50 chance, right? No, <laughs> uh, so again with Shohei Otani, he becomes the first player to be the leadoff hitter and a starting pitcher in all star game history which is just another huge feed for this guy. And every single week, we've said it probably the last three weeks in a row, every week he does something else to get on points and penalties. We're talking about him somehow. And it's usually something good. I don't think we've said a bad thing about this guy and he just keeps on being I've trashed him a bit. Well, maybe a little bit, but you just mostly on the MVP front, but do <laughs> well. Yeah. And pitching. That's about it. I, I said he was all, he was the, probably one of the best hitters in the league, but and it's besides that yeah <laughs> so basically when i went through the, all these uh, i was watching the game of course and and i was, went through the stats at the end of the game and i'm like huh it seems like it was basically the blue jays offense versus the nl <sighs> because out of the five runs that the al scored four of them came from blue jays so vlad had a two-run home run did you see that home run? I did. It was a he fucking massive monster. towering shot. Yeah. Monster. It's like a frozen rope out there too. Like yeah. it, <laughs> it was crazy. 
Uh, Marcus Semien had an RBI. And Teoscar hit a double and then scored subsequently to uh, to make that the fourth run. And then our last all-star player was Bull. He only got one at bat. He went 0 for 1. So between the Jays, between scoring and hitting runs, they put in four of the five runs. So like I said, basically Blue Jays versus the NL. Blue Jays offense because, you know, the pitching was, it wasn't there for obvious <laughs> reasons. <laughs> This is truly a world game now, baseball. And it's it's not just the U.S. and, say, Dominican or the U.S. and Cuba as the top dogs in the uh, MLB. We've got the winning pitcher, was Otani, and he's Japanese. This, the save was Liam Hendricks. He's Australian. And our MVP of the All-Star game was Vlad Guerrero Jr. And he is a Canadian-Dominican. He was born here in Canada. He was born in Montreal as his dad was playing for the Expos at the time, but grew up mostly in the Dominican Republic. And speaking of Vlad being the MVP, he's next in our MVP segment. This week's Points and Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. Our MVP segment is brought to you by MVP Brewing. MVP's kickback program is to give every child a chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids, sports organizations. Now for our MVP, which we pretty much gave away, Mr. Vladdy Guerrero. Hell yeah. <laughs> he wins the MVP for not only being the MVP with us, but with the all-star game, he was voted the MVP there. He ends up being the youngest all-star MVP in MLB history. Uh, he says to his dad, I just honestly want to thank my dad for this. This is for you. The father-son duo to hit the all-star game home runs. Vladdy did in 2006 senior and then Vladdy Jr. did in 2021 obviously Barry Bonds also 1973 is the Barry Bonds senior and then Barry Bonds Jr. did in 98 and 2002 Bobby Bonds not Barry his dad oh. there's no there's no junior senior oh. there is on the next one though all right and then we got Griffey senior in 1980 and then Griffey Jr. in 1992 Vlad Jr. told Springer and Guriel Jr. <laughs> he was going to win <laughs> the All-Star Game MVP. They told him he better win it or don't come back, which was pretty rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially from a guy that could be the, the, the league MVP or at least the AL MVP. So, <laughs> But no, this is, this is great. I love, like you said, that towering home run he hit. In the all-star game that pretty much uh was the lock for mvp as soon as he hit that with the two rbis so i love that just love that the jays showed up in the all-star game you know getting the four selections and then as i had mentioned uh just a little before that uh, it was basically the jays versus the nl i, I really like the uh four runs coming off of either jays bats or uh or the jays running home so really like that so Congrats to uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Also seems that uh, father-son duels run the MLB. Yeah, man. 
and they hit home runs in the all-star game. Absolutely. So Vlad Guerrero Jr., our MVP this week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right, guys. That's it for our MVP. So, Graham, since you haven't been here in a while and we haven't heard uh, your thoughts on Tampa winning the Cup, why don't you uh, give us your thoughts? Well, um, I was happy Tampa won because Montreal lost. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm also happy they won it at home, which was something I, you know, I'm not entirely convinced that they did by accident. I think they wanted to win it at home. You're in that conspiracy? It's not a conspiracy. It's just... You don't think they wanted to get the sweep? No, I don't. I, I would have. Yeah, me too. I would have been, been way better than winning at home. It's like, bitch, this is what 18 over million cap is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's number one bullshit. Watching them like raise the cup last year in an empty building, it was just yeah. like, it got boring. It literally just, it was just like, Okay, you hand it over to that guy, and then like you know, there's nothing. Nobody was nobody. Uh, nobody was there, so I think they wanted it at home. See what that feeling was like, and it's the uh, first time the Cubs been won at home since the Blackhawks in 2015. So that was kind of cool too. We had we had mentioned that last week about winning, you know, with no fans last year, and then winning this year with fans, and how it was a completely different celebration, and you could just see on all the Tampa players faces and the coaching staff that it meant so much to them to win it, you know, not just yeah. with fans, but with their home fans. Right. And it's like, you know, when they're going to the dressing room and Stammer's just like carrying it and like they're the seats right by the dressing room and stuff like that and cheering with them. Like that's, that's something that those fans will never forget. And I think even Stamkos will just like never forget. So mm-hmm. other than that, for this week, a lot happened in the NHL. Oh boy. It's coming up with basically GM week which doesn't usually happen this busy because we have the expansion draft coming up on the 21st. We have the uh, free agency starts on the 28th and it's sandwiched in between that is the, the draft. So it's a very busy week for the NHL GMs and they uh, went with that on the very busy day yesterday with trades and the week leading up to it Saturday was a ton of more trades. So for the uh, the big big blockbusters, um, there was a three way trade with Philadelphia, Vegas, and Nashville. Philadelphia gets Ryan Ellis, Vegas gets Nolan Patrick, and Nashville got Cody Glass from Vegas and Philip Myers from Philadelphia. And yeah, Cody Glass didn't really have much of an impact on the playoffs or the season in general. He only didn't play a whole lot. I don't have how many did. He was, yeah, sixth overall pick in 2017. One of the only first-run picks that they kept. And so he's gone, and Nolan Patrick, I think, needed a start out of Philadelphia. The Islanders traded Andrew Ladd to Arizona for actually, literally nothing. Um, cap space is basically what it's there for two second round picks and one third round pick because Arizona does not have any picks and the Leafs acquired Jared McCann for Philip Hallander who if you don't remember that name was involved in the Casper Kapanen trade so basically it was Jared McCann for a seventh round pick Pittsburgh didn't want to lose McCann for free to Seattle but the 
Leagues did not protect in. So it just might be Alexander Kerfoot insurance, which could be a very possible thing to happen um, as he might go to Seattle. So yeah, so Leafs protect, uh, don't protect McCann. So yeah, so what do you guys think of the uh, the big trades happen that, that happened this week? I think it was pretty slick what Vegas did. Yep. To steal Nolan Patrick there. And, yeah, Flyers have been needing defensemen for a while, so they got theirs. It's just awesome how that uh, that Vegas, they can't, they can't take any of Vegas players, and then they just got Nolan Patrick for not much. Right, and Cody Glass is exempt, so. Feels like Vegas is up to their old games, like, when they came into the league. They <laughs> <laughs> have a pretty smart GM, man, because he, he does random shit like that, and it, and it always seems to work out. Well, it's a different GM than from the expansion draft, so. Oh, is it really? Yep. Huh. Learn something new every day. Yeah, George McPhee was the mastermind behind it, and now it's uh, Kelly McCrimmon. How long did they last? Like, two years? Yep. So he took them to the cup finals, and then they got yep. they were like, we're done with you? Uh, I think he, it was kind of like a, he just left on his own. I can't remember where he's working now. I think he, he either stepped up and, like, went to, like, VP of hockey operations or whatever. And, uh, yeah, Kelly McCrimmon was the assistant GM, and he took over. He learned, he learned from the boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for the this Leafs trade here, what are the chances you think that McCann gets taken by Seattle? My honest theory is for a while is that Leafs have had some sort of side deal with Seattle this entire time. I think a prospect or a couple picks or whatever, because Toronto's in win now mode. So, you know, a, a couple picks here and there, plus like a, a prospect isn't really a huge deal. A prospect that's ready, more or less. But yeah, I don't think they'll take McCann because the center depth isn't as as strong. And I think Kerfoot just has a bit more, I don't know, maybe more experience or maybe just that's who they, they, they were targeting to begin with. So I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. And do you think Ladd just dies now that he's in Arizona, like many other contracts that have gone to Arizona? I think we're still playing a little bit. The other ones that were dead contracts, those guys were um, in the Hall of Fame before the contract was over. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't. Who knows? But again, it, for two seconds and a third, when Arizona doesn't have any picks, it's kind of a it's a no brainer to do so. And yeah, any other big trades you guys need uh, some clarification on? Or well, we're gonna get into one a little later. I know that. Yes, we are. Not big, but questionable this is what the uh that that trade will be and the expansion draft is like i said on the 21st and there's some big names out there no most notably carrie price now i just read about an hour ago or so that he might have surgery short shortly and he it's either knee or hip related kind of unconfirmed reports and he might be out for the whole year or majority of it so that's why I left him exposed because they don't think Seattle would take price for his contract with five years left at 10 and a half per with crazy amounts of um, signing bonuses coming up or, you know, they, and they didn't want to lose Jake Allen uh, for nothing. So, so Carey price was hurt during the playoffs. He might have been through it, but I guess he's had, he was hurt up until the playoffs because he had that AHL start before their season ended. So he was hurt, and who knows if that's the same thing or if he hurt it 
you know, in the final or, or what. Didn't look like he was laboring. The most pain I saw was out of Brendan Gallagher. So I just want to throw that this out here as well as I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Tom Brady was playing with a torn MCL. Yeah, which could bring him a lot of or him and the box a bunch of problems here because you have to let people know what the injuries are. So I've heard that there can be more conspiracy with uh, with that. Uh, well, either either way, like that's a uh, that's a tough guy, well, and yeah. Brady at forty three doing that is crazy. But Carey Price, who's was like the MVP for Montreal, mm-hmm. and he's hurt and now. He might miss a whole year because of this injury. That's that's pretty crazy that he got them there. I never, I didn't know that. And like, even though you guys hate Montreal because you guys are Toronto fans, like that's impressive. Well, yeah, Shea Weber, even with his, you know, his ankle and foot and thumb issues, like he, he might not play hockey again. That's what they're saying. So how did Toronto lose to these guys? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, other no names on the um, exposed list. We got Max Domi from Columbus. Gabriel Landeskog, you know, he's a UFA. Vlad Tarasenko, who requested a trade out of St. Louis. Another interesting goalie is Jonathan Quick. So they don't even need to get price. Yeah, some big money and big term still left. And Jordan Eberle, Josh Bailey, to name a couple other guys. Yeah, so there's lots of good players for Seattle to choose from, whether or not they choose to. There's a lot of a lot of like little rules of like having certain amount of players under contract, and you know you can't Seattle can't flip the player back to the team that they took it from with salary retention and stuff like that. There's, you know, the NHL will say no to that. So be pretty interesting what's going to happen. That's a good start to your team though, right there, except for getting carry price. Oh, it's, no, it's fantastic. So who do you think is going to be the first pick by Seattle? Well, I can't remember how exactly how they did, how Vegas did theirs, but like they flew some of the players that they were picking down to Vegas and had them had jerseys on during the, during the expansion draft. Um, and one of those m- most notable names, which is probably the most popular golden Knight, was flurry. So, you know, are they going to do the same thing with, you know, Carey price or even Jonathan quick who would, you know, the Pacific division rival would you know, the fans and the teams would know Jonathan quick's a big name. You know, he won two cups more than Bryce. <laughs> And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I don't know if they have to do it in a certain order, but it'll be interesting to see who will be left, you know, happy that Seattle took this certain players or who will be crying that their, you know, their favorite player is now a Kraken. If I was Seattle, I'd be really working to uh, to get Landis Cog if he's a UFA. That guy's a great player, ex-Kitchener Ranger. I, I've always liked him. He's, he's been a great yeah. player, and and he's he's a great leader. He he immediately put the C on his on his shoulder. No question about it. If if he's picked by Seattle, yeah, yeah, I'd say that. You know, he he's he's wants way too much term or way too much money, but you know, Seattle's starting fresh, so that's all they have is money. Yeah, all they have is money. Yep, and they can spend to the cap limit according to their owners. So. Yeah, and then last little bit of news, Miro Hiskinen signs an eight-year, $8.5 million per year extension. He's a nice, quick, speedy guy, fourth overall pick. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty pretty good deal for, for Dallas. It depends on, uh, I don't know their cap situation exactly, but, you know, it sucks that, you know, yeah, for immediately you think of as 
cap space. But yeah, that's a good deal. Cap space is a big part of sports, man. It is, but it's NHL has the lowest one, so it's just you know it's all everyone talks about, and they have more play like not more players, but like more players that'll impact it than you know basketball or football. So mm, challenge definitely not football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can challenge that. That's okay. Yeah. One. <laughs> but like it, yeah, the NFL definitely has way more players. Like it's a last year was a 50, 55 man roster. Now it's a, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to hold that on to this year as well. But what's, what's the limit? Like what's the ceiling on the NFL's cap? It's 198 million, I think, or 189 million this year. But you have like, you don't have everyone making like, big bucks right like it's more or less no ever there's people it's the exact same thing a lot of people make a bunch of money right because you're going to pay those players that are superstars a bunch of money and then there's going to be a lot of low-level guys that make nothing not just veteran minimum right and veteran minimum is like i think maybe seventy five hundred thousand. that's minimum sorry seven yeah i don't know maybe maybe it is a million I can't help you on that, boys. I don't know the caps well that well. <laughs> there's a lot of guys that make like top dollar money. Like there's like the Rams are always near the top because they have they spend money on superstars like Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Stafford is making like 33 million this year. So I don't know what the cap limit is for NHL, but 81.5. Yeah, so we're over 100 million more than you guys. Right, and there's you have. Uh, 55 man roster there's 23 maximum and I, it's we're arguing over dollars and cents but like it's it's challenging when the cap was constantly going up in the nhl and then it's just flat and gms weren't really prepared for that so was that just this year no it was because that's what happened with the nfl it went down from last year it went down okay. it went down like 10 million oh well basically said when revenue gets back up to what it was making before the pandemic, which was, I think, like $5.2 billion or something like that, that's when the cap can go back up. So when the NHL makes that much again for the season, then the cap can go back up again on a percentage basis based on revenue and yada, yada, yada. It'd be interesting to find out, you know, to do the math and find out what the salary cap versus, like, you know, divided by the roster uh, is to see – how much the average player can make per league, you know, like you said, Jess, they've got 189 million in football, but you got to divide that out by 53 or 55 guys. It's 51 best players are the most, the players making the most money on your team. Okay, but so then and then do the do the equivalent in hockey, basketball. I guess baseball will be a little harder because of the luxury tax, but I guess you could still use that hard number before they go into luxury tax as technically the cap number. And just find out which team based on their roster size, based on the salary cap, which which uh, sorry, not team, but which league and the players would make on average the most money. I'm gonna figure that out next for next week. Probably NBA. NBA. You're probably right because they only have like 12 guys on the roster. So you're probably right. right. Yeah. And they get paid a 12 or 15 money. Yeah. Bench guys are paying, getting paid 10 million just so they can hit the floor. Well, they are in fucking Brooklyn, but they're not in Toronto. (laughs) I was going to say, like, yeah, that's not the same elsewhere. No, that that was just a number I I threw. It's kind of like the same thing. NBA is kind of like NFL where they they have these top line superstars that they, that eats up most of the, the cap. Right. Sure. So that like NFL has a lot to play with. 
NBA has a lot to play with, so that's why they just throw money at these superstars because there's only a certain amount of superstars in the NBA. So you can always get people to come to you and just take a little bit less money than what you're probably worth too because that's how the NBA operates. Everyone's just going for the ship, right? Yeah, yeah. We can argue about this for for hours on each league's cap system. So we're not going to get into it. Crazy amounts today. So maybe when there's less news, we can talk about it. <laughs> and have more knowledge about it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like there's at least one guy in the NFL that probably won't be making too much money this year. Unrestricted free agent this year, Richard Sherman, was arrested on a few accounts on Tuesday. So Sherman was charged with driving while under the influence, reckless engagement of roadway workers, resisting arrest, and domestic violence-related accounts of criminal trespass and malicious mischief. So I don't know if you guys heard, listened to like when his wife had called into the cop shop, cops there to help him control him. No, we didn't hear that. Oh man, it's it's crazy. Like his wife called and asked him to get people here ASAP. He's talking about killing himself. He's fighting with his uncle and he was really, really drunk and might have been messed up on something else. I, I, I can't, I don't know, but he was really messed up and he was saying he was going to hang himself. If you, he said, if you call the cops, like I'm going to try and take the officer's firearm. Like he, he was not in the right headspace. And then he left the premise and also on that call. Now I don't know what happened here, but somehow she said she trapped him into their gated community or their, their property. Cause they got a gate at their property. She's like, I closed the gate, get here ASAP. And I guess he may have found a different car or broke into a car. I, I honestly don't know what happened, but that was what was on between when she called the cops to him bouncing, leaving the car there and driving to his in-laws house. And in doing so, he ran into a cr- concrete wall. Now he was driving under the influence. So he was like, what I was saying with the charges, reckless endangerment of roadway workers and, and just everyone on the road, like, he abandoned the scene. He ran to his his in-laws house where his his wife had somehow gotten away from the house and there and he knew about it somehow. So he showed up there and there's like a video of him at the, the doorbell video and he is trying to break down the door. It was a little bit muffled sound, but he's like he kept saying, come through, come through. And he was really angry and every, everything like that. And I know his wife's uh, father was had like a handgun and some mace at the door if he was to break through, but they had a dub bolt on it. And I believe it was when he was, because they were living up in Redmond, Washington, and he was coming from Maple Valley. And the cops are telling Redmond cops to be prepared for this guy. And when they found his crash car site, they just followed him back to the house. It's pretty crazy because... Like, I mean, obviously people, you know, anybody can have some mental health issues or can be under the influence and then subsequently have some mental health issues or what have you. But he's always seemed like he's, you know, he could get excited when he, when he's playing football, but he always seems like he's He's a competitive player, right? but he seems like he's very well educated and just seems like he has a pretty good head on his shoulders. And I, I never really expected this out of Richard Sherman. I agree a hundred percent with you on this. Like I, I was never a fan with him because he played for Seattle and then he went right to San Fran. So he immediately still <laughs> number one hated, hated corner for, for sure. me, but 
but he that's because he was a superstar and he was a late round pick so he always had a chip on his shoulder so like for him to do all this it's just it's just wild like he's older now but he can still probably get a paycheck probably not now yeah but yeah he definitely would be in the league this year if this didn't happen and for him to say that he was gonna take a cop's firearm and there is a rumor that he did take one and the cop I guess made sure or he attempted to and he made sure they didn't grab him but he didn't want to hurt him because like his wife said over the phone like this is Richard Sherman please please don't hurt him and like just try and corral him like he's gonna be wild like she warned she warned the cops about him like he's he needs to calm down like you need to like get a hold of him somehow and they just wanted him in jail and I even heard that his wife I think their last name is Moss. I can't remember her first name, but her dad wanted to press charges immediately when they showed up at their door. Well, I mean, makes sense. You have somebody, you know, they might be threatening to hang himself, but you know, that could quickly turn uh, to threatening other people, whether that be the, you know, his wife or, or his in-laws family or whoever. So nobody wants to, Nobody wants to see that. So this is just a crazy, crazy story. It is and wild. It seems every week you're you're talking about somebody that's into into some legal troubles in the NFL here, Jess. It's it's fucked. That's the off season. That's what every GM and coach fears in the NFL is the off season with their guys is trying to put them on the correct path. Like they're they'd even teach classes like how to stay out of trouble. And as much as it is, these guys are super talented at the sport. They just can't, whether it be the mental health that Sherman has and his drinking that came involved here, like he it's he's not the only one in the NFL that does this stuff. So I don't, it's their upbringing and maybe because they play with, it's a physical game and they play like this. Yeah. Could, could it be, could it be CTE related? I mean, hitting CTE at 32 is, is pretty early. Is really, really early. It usually doesn't happen that quickly, but you could also point to the Aaron Hernandez, but it also come. It's your upbringing too, right? Like if you don't, you have to understand too. Sherman didn't have a paycheck yet. Mm-hmm. No one had signed him and everything like that. So maybe he, that was when the mental de- demons started getting to him. And that's why he started drinking. And that just made it worse. Could be. And do we, we know for sure that he was drinking, like oh, it yeah. says under the influence, but I mean, it could have been on our influence of anything. Right. Well, his wife, Mrs. Moss did say that he had been drinking, but okay. I don't know. Like I said before, like he might've been under some other influence. Yeah. Like he might've other, been yeah. just even weed. Like it just, it just, it messes you up when you, when you mix the two. Right. So he shouldn't have been driving. And the thing is he pled not guilty to everything, huh. which obviously with he's going to get a DUI for sure. Resisting arrest, probably get that one too. Cause he tried to, apparently there's the rumor that he tried to take uh the officer's firearm in Maple Valley. So you won't get off on the reckless endangerment or roadway workers either. That'll be hundred percent. He'll get nailed for that one. Well, he also could have gotten burglary, but that was dropped. Oh. Be trying to get into that, uh, his in-laws house. Right. But I, I believe that was dropped by the prosecutors. So unless he gets a plea deal, he's fucking gone. I would say for a while. <laughs> well, it's all mis- uh, misdemeanors, right? So he could be only in jail for a, a year. No, it's still time. A year, a year in prison at his age probably means his NFL career is over. I mean, possibly, but all you do in prison is work out. So, yeah, fair enough. Maybe he can pull your <laughs> longest yard and fucking come out better than he was. I don't know. 
will you teach me to football? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a wild story, and if you do have a chance, listen to the the police call and and watch the doorbell video, like because it was it is wild how he acted, and as much as he has with his inner demons and everything like that. He usually has it under control and he is a competitive player. He always has, but I think he called out Russell Wilson, the super bowl when they lost that he didn't play well enough. Well, (laughs) that's tough. And I don't know if he didn't play well enough. I'd blame that super bowl loss on fucking uh, on the coach there. Carol. Yeah. You don't throw the ball on the one yard line, man. (laughs) And he got him down there. There was a, if he had been right before that, there was a huge monstrous catch. He threw it up, and I think it was Javon Curse that made an amazing grab and got him down there. And yeah, they should have definitely ran with Marshawn. But well, that's the yeah, that's the even bigger thing is it's Marshawn fucking Lynch. Like, you know, maybe if you're running with, I don't know, somebody on fucking the Patriots who always have these small running backs, maybe you throw it. But when you got a monster, you don't you don't throw it on the one. Well, that might have been again like it was it was a high leverage situation and his emotions came out so yeah but they sure did because he was crying yeah <laughs> yeah so he need he need to he need some therapy is what he needs but that's a crazy situation man i i hope you know hopefully like he's gonna he's gonna end up spending some time in prison likely hopefully he can you know kind of get his shit together and i'd you know, I, I'm on the same page with you, Jess. I've never really been a big fan of him, but he is a good player. He's a great DB, and I'd love to see him back in the uh, in the NFL. I just, it's going to be a tough goal for him now. As long as he gets out of the NFC West, I'm sick of him. <laughs> yeah, glad no one got hurt in that situation, but uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it was shocking. That was shocking yeah. for how he acted, but it is what it is, and he's going to have to deal with the consequences. So on some more San Fran news, Ted Ginn retires at age 36. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but this guy was a track star. I think he won the 100 meter or 110 meter dash for, for his high school. But uh, he went into the, I think he went to Ohio State. Boom. I can't confirm that, but what do you mean? You cheer for a bunch of players like go <laughs> Yeah, but I'm a Michigan fan. I can't, I can't cheer for all. But you, cheer, but you cheer for their 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 players when they get to the NFL. It's different. It's different. <laughs> but yeah, so he went in the first round because he had elite elite speed, top ten to Miami. He then went to San Fran, and Carolina, Arizona. New Orleans and Chicago. He finished his last season with. Who do you think he goes into the? In, well, I guess he won't go into the hall. But how, who does he retire as? Like, Ted Ginn. He didn't do much in any of those cities. He went so. to Carolina twice, and like he he went to Carolina for a one year deal, and then went, I think, to Arizona, and then went back to Carolina, and that's when he went to the Super Bowl. So I okay. think he might go. To, he might it might be Carolina, and yeah, he never lived up to his first round selection. He was. Not hot. 5,742 yard career receiving yards, which isn't that much for a first round pick, especially top 10 overall. The thing that he was well known for was his, his return ability. Yeah, for sure. He was fast as ever. So he only had seven TDs uh, returns on special teams. He also, he did kickoffs and punt returns, which was, his thing, because that's all he was mainly meant for, is what I I remember of him. But 
Well, I remember his best – I think his best season was with New Orleans when he had Drew Brees and Drew Brees still could throw it further than 20 yards. I'm looking at the stats right now, actually. His his best season yardage-wise was in 08 with Miami, but then with 790. And then the next one was 2017 in New Orleans with 787. Okay. so But, yeah, like you're, you're damn close there. So. But, like, in Miami, too, he was a first-round pick rookie, so they were going to be force-feeding the him the ball there too but they they never really had a quarterback for him yeah he had 93 targets that uh, that season in miami with only 56 catches that is horror awful that is uh, reception percentage his next couple of years that were good carolina in 2015 97 targets for 44 receptions 739 yards i think that was the year they went to the super bowl uh the following year he had 95 targets 53 sorry 54 catches for 752 and actually your maybe his best season was in uh in new orleans because he had 70 targets with 53 catches which isn't horrible i, I can't remember if he had a had the, the dropsies or not but i knew that his whole game plan was either it was a screen or it was a fly like you, yeah, yak, you right he was all about yak or you were just bombing it to him because he would blow past right. all the dbs Mm-hmm. Well, in 2020 for the uh, Bears, he played six games. He had six <laughs> targets and three catches for 40 yards. And that basically sums up the Chicago Bears offense. <laughs> oh, man. He was like, he had that season. He's like, enough of this. I'm not playing for the Chicago Bears. Again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't get catches here. <laughs> well, they had A-Rob. A-Rob got over a 1,000 yards. So. Hey, in 2012, when he was playing for San Fran, he played in 13 games. He had two targets and two two catches for one yard. So maybe that's <laughs> his, maybe that was his best year. He was 100%, 100% on catches. <laughs> for what, two? What did you for say? Two, two, two catches, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that was bad. Yeah, best catch percentage, obviously, other than that one, was – with New Orleans there at uh, 75.7% catch percentage. So you're right there on basically on the, uh, on the New Orleans being his best season with a superstar, Mr. Breeze. And some other legal matters, Jacksonville coach and GM were subpoenaed as part of a lawsuit filed against the black former Iowa football players, alleging to discrimination by some members of the school's coaching staff. We talked about this couple or not couple a bunch of episodes before with chris doyle mm-hmm. the hiring and firing of him that happened in january so this is what the subpoena is about asking to give out a written statement like why did you hire him why did you fire him pretty much just save save face this guy was discriminating against people of color and the problem was was i think it was like the whole coaching staff there at uh, iowa was that even the head coach was saying that this is the iowa way like can't dress a specific way you can't act a specific way and they were just saying this is the iowa way and the university ended up agreeing to pay doyle's 1.1 million in resignation to to leave the university which is crazy like you're paying this guy to leave and now all <laughs> this is happening like 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 this is um midwest so like you get it's a bit rougher out there for the racial concerns but the way they were acting and they just put it on social media and it's a lot of former players as well. Bring this up. We talked about it, but it's wild that urban is still dealing with this. Yeah. It'll be interesting how this shakes out and how this affects the Jacksonville's uh, like how it affects their season, you know, is, is urban Meyer going to be focused on, you know, this, like obviously he's 
he's going to be focused on the Jags, but is it going to be something that is he's sidetracked on and is it going to affect the Jags at all? Who knows? I mean, like they're not supposed expected to do much this year, I would think, but no, but still, but they, the, the subpoenas don't help. You're right. And I would think that they need to just get this over and done with. Like they got, they hired the guy and they had to have known how he, he was as a strength coach. And they got rid of him, obviously, because he was too much bad press. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing I got here for the NFL is Saints defensive tackle David Onyemata is suspended for six games for violation of PED drugs. I have to commend this guy. Like he he took it off the chest. He was is in his statement. He said, "While I was certainly surprised and disappointed with the news." I am responsible for what I put in my body as I have never knowingly taken anything that could cause a positive test. We are currently in the process of testing the supplements I was taking at the time of the test. Regardless, I'm committed to being more aware of the medication and dietary supplements that many contain substance banned by the NFL. So like he had no idea this was happening. And yeah, he- it definitely seems like he's, he's completely, seems like he's innocent here from doing it purposely standpoint, you know, whether it's, whether the banned substance is in that supplement, you know, we'll find out if he didn't know about it, he didn't know about it. Right. Like, but he's still banned, but like the, the, the thing is, is maybe he's just playing us and saying like, he knew what he yeah. was taking, but like, at least he's admitting that he took it and everything like that. He, he's going to have that ban no matter what during the mm-hmm. 2021 season for six games off, which I always thought like first offenders, it was four games, but because I believe he's a first offender. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe Goodell's just being a prick and stepped it up a notch. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to get rid of this, which is a good idea. Uh-huh. I don't think they need this, and I think they're a little bit better at doing this than some people, their uh, Olympics. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jess, so speaking of the Olympics, uh, we haven't heard anything about PEDs as of yet. Uh, we have heard of, I guess, marijuana with uh, Shikari not making the the uh, the cut there because she was smoking pot, which to me isn't a performance-enhancing drug, but it is, I guess, an illegal drug. But So other than that, we haven't heard too much. But they can't get the actual legal illegal ones. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. I know, it's crazy. But they just we, pick and choose whatever they feel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so we have heard of two South African soccer players who have become the first athletes inside the Olympic Village to test positive for COVID-19 which is obviously not good. Uh, you know, COVID cases in Tokyo have been rising and athletes are dropping out left, right, and center. Uh, my assumption is because of this, there's already no fans, but there's still a ton of athletes, there's still a ton of people that have to work these uh, these games. And so the potential for COVID to run rampant is uh, very high. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but uh, lots of athletes are dropping out and I can't blame them. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a tough go, right? You, if you've, you've gone this far without uh, contracting and you've done your due diligence and then you're potentially going into a massive hotspot where everybody's contained inside that athlete's village, it could, uh, it could be a real shit show. So it's, uh, it's just crazy that it's, you know, it's, it's starting already. The, the game start on Friday and the, the positive tests have already come back. And I hope they still have a, a half decent game because it's going to suck if you get lots and lots of these star athletes saying, fuck this, I ain't going. And, uh, you know, 
maybe it won't be as good of a Olympics as we're used to seeing. Well, they're just, I was just looking this up right now and for Japan, the fully vaccinated rates is still really low, like only just under 21%. So it's, that's pretty bad. Now that's, that's two shots. So I can understand that being why a lot of uh, athletes are dropping out and the positive tests that are coming through there. Yeah. So much money is spent on the games. Like, with just the buildings in itself right like it sucks for tokyo it really really does but you know it's just the reality that the world is in right now so i heard that and i don't i have no idea how true this is but i heard that the beds in tokyo for in the athletes village are made of cardboard and that they will collapse with uh, under the weight of more than one person and apparently this is to try and prevent the athletes from fucking right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is pretty funny good wasn't luck it, was it yeah wasn't it the uh the last olympics that it was like i think everyone got condoms and like yep like lube and shit like like it was just like, i believe they were been giving those out for years yeah i mean you gotta think like these people are you know they're they've been training forever they're you know for the last you know four years or whatever to do this they're finally there and when they you know, I'm assuming that most most of this is happening after their uh, events are done. They can finally relax, have a few drinks, and then one thing leads to another. And they're all highly tuned athletes, so why wouldn't you want to be hooking up with another highly tuned athlete, right? And so it's be a marathon. Uh, it it could be. It could be a marathon. <laughs> So, like I said, I have no idea how true that is that the uh, that the beds are made of cardboard. But when I heard that, I thought it was pretty fucking funny that they're trying to prevent the athletes from banging. <laughs> well, I heard that they were giving out condoms and everything like that, but they, they said you can't use them here; you have to use them at home. Is yeah, what they well, were trying to explain to people. Which obviously, yeah, it's not going to stop them. Definitely not. No. Definitely not. Like there's the floor. I don't know. Yeah, man. Shower. There's lots of places. Yep. Cardboard <laughs> beds at Olympics designed to be anti-sex. Yeah. Put to the test. Pretty funny. TMZ. Yeah. That's funny. Well, that's a that's a good newspaper to hold on to for <laughs> truths. So, in 2021, there are a few newly added sports to the Olympics. I wonder which of these sports are you guys looking forward to most? So we've got baseball, surfing, sport climbing, skateboarding, and karate. Thoughts? Like baseball would be fun if Canadians were in it, but they're not. Like they only have like eight teams I saw. So, and they just barely missed out. So that for me, that's not, not at the top. I want to see surfing and skateboarding. I also want to know if they've been uh, tested for dope and that. Cause like that would be the sport that I think that people will be smoking dope in. Surfing and skateboarding? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, I'm still interested in baseball, but I agree, Jess, surfing and skateboarding. I'm interested to see how the sport climbing would work. Like, is it a race to the top type thing? Or, you know, how long can you hang upside down? Or, you know, I'm not sure how that works. Isn't that a a TV show? Like, like, uh, the sport climbing? Well, they have it in, like, fucking... What do they call that show? Like the Ninja 
Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior and shit like that. America's they, Ninja Warrior, yeah. Yeah, where they do they do climbing, stuff like that. So, But I, yeah, I'm not sure how that one will work out. Uh, I'm not really sure the premise of how the scoring and whatnot will be in this sport, but uh, either way, I'm sure it'd be interesting. It might be like what they do is uh, like bouldering. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. So bouldering is when when you just climb up without a rope, right? But they have different courses set on that wall. Right. Now, bouldering, you don't usually go too, too high, but it probably has to do deal with speed and making sure you, you touch every legal mm-hmm. uh, foothold or whatever. Yeah, yeah foothold, yeah. yeah. So I think that's how they would do it. No research on this, so... Don't take me at my word on that, but I think that's what they would try and do. Yeah, you're fucking wrong. But uh, that would be, I think that would be fun to watch because I know a few people that do bouldering and talk about like not wanting to have sex with them. Like, Jesus, they are, (laughs) they are in shape. (laughs) What do you think, Graham? Um, No, yeah, same thing. Like, climbing would be interesting. Like if they do like, like a big rock wall, and it's like angled or yeah like you said like bouldering if they have like you know like a cliff or something like that that they have just there or you know or it's all fabricated or whatever i don't know sport climbing would be good um skateboarding is always actually kind of cool when you get like the best of the best at the x games or whatever and they're you know trying to see how many uh rotations they can do and all that stuff but um you know like Summer Olympics are always kind of like, eh, to me, like, you know, the hundred meters good. And then I don't know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not, nothing really excites me or makes me want to watch. It's funny that you say that. Cause most people think that the winter Olympics are, are meaningless. Whereas everyone likes the summer Olympics. Cause a lot more uh, countries can actually play in those Yeah, because because it's more it's summertime everywhere right like anyone can run <laughs> not everyone has mountains or snow hey i mean well, you know you it might be... have a bobsled team it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. it just could just be the canadian in me i guess you know likes the winter olympics more well oh, yeah because we do better at we it. do better 100%, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like i don't know some, some of the things is like when the summer olympics is like what inspires you to be a pole vaulter like what decided i'm just grab this stick and run with it and see how high i can go it's just you know stuff like that kind of makes me wonder i would think that would be quite the adrenaline rush though being up there like going up on that pole hoping it doesn't fucking snap and then try and get over that bar like i would think i mean there's no fucking way i'm doing it and my fat ass ain't getting off the ground anyways so (laughs) but Yeah, it's it's pole vaulting, not pole running. Yeah, exactly. I can run with the pole, no problem. Slow, I'll be in, but I can yeah. do it. <laughs> Josh, you would yeah. either clear the bar completely, or they would just snap. Or the pole would snap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would like miss the landing pad and just be <laughs> over it. No, yeah, I'm, I'm I kind joking. of agree with you there, Graham. On the, the some of the events, like like speed walking. Like that is so fucking boring to watch. Isn't there like equestrian in the Summer Olympics? And it's like that's a horse. Yeah. But does does the it, horse get the gold medal? No. I, yeah, I agree with that too. It is definitely a horse. Yeah, but you're still riding it. You are riding it for sure. But the horse is doing 
majority of the athletic moves you know right. you're you're on its back and it's it's doing its little dance or you're you know i guess horse jumping is a little bit more uh the athlete as opposed you know to the horse dancing or whatever the fuck they do dressage i think that's what they call it horse dancing one. yeah Okay, so we're going to take one out of Kev's book here. We're going to talk about the CFL, the old crappy football league, as he calls it. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to allow 100% fan capacity for the home opener versus the Ticats on August 5th, but all fans must be fully vaccinated to enter the stadium. You think this is too early, or are you good with 100%? It's outside. I'm good with it. As long as they're fully vaccinated, I'm good with it. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. I mean, just prove it. That it shouldn't be hard to prove, really. Well, I mean, look at the U.S. Right? They've had, you know, especially Texas, hundred percent capacity everywhere for a long time. And have they? Sure, some places are. They haven't been fully up. vaccinated though. Right. No, right? But they're still having a hundred percent, and there hasn't been any major issues so that we've heard about anyway. Uh, they're on the climb. A lot of the. A lot of the. St- a lot of the southern states are on the climb of a lot of the Delta variant. So it's it's affecting, I think. So I, I think you got to prove that you're fully vaccinated to get into this building. I, I want to see 100% capacity, and I guarantee you they'll have that there. And when you start restricting people to be 100% vaccinated, I think that's when you like people are saying you're taking your freedoms away, but like at the same time, like, you're stopping a virus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll find that the person that like, I have heard about it actually quite a bit over the weekend that, you know, some people are getting vaccinated just so they can travel. And so I think this could be another thing where, you know, maybe somebody who doesn't want to get vaccinated, doesn't believe in it or what have you may get vaccinated just so they can go and see a sporting event or travel or whatever. Right. So uh, maybe this will kind of help uh, get a handful more people vaccinated and I guess we'll, you know, time will tell. We'll find out. Especially out there in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like Winnipeg is definitely the biggest city in Manitoba. But <laughs> yeah. But like, there's obviously fans like around and like the rural outside of it, like an hour outside of KW. And there's a lot of people out here that are just like, meh, you know, I just go to work, go home. That's it. So, you know, kind of the same kind of thinking is probably everywhere. And that's the thing is we've all grew up in a more city mentality where like, go do stuff, go out. Like, yeah. If they just want to go home and watch the game, that's their prerogative. Like there's, there's no problem in them doing that, but like, aren't you guys kind of sick of that? <laughs> Cause oh, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. We finally entered stage three and we can do more shit now. I know you guys were just super spreaders. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Laurier. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to KW in months because of you guys. Well, it sure as fuck isn't me. So I was there. I just, I just was careful. Came to my place. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another one for Kev. He always loves to talk about the PGA, and this is a uh, definitely one that we got to talk about. The British Open was this past weekend. Colin Morikawa wins the Open at a minus 15. He's the first player to win two different majors on the first attempt, and he has won two of eight majors played. So not, That's wild. Yeah, not too shabby for, for uh, 
First player to win two different majors on the first attempt. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say a liberal area. <laughs> uh, Jordan Spieth minus 11, uh, sorry, minus 13. John Rahm and Luis Hussin at minus 11. Uh, rounded up the uh, top three there. Oh, should you put any money on this? No, or I didn't. No, I no didn't. Pool? No, he didn't uh, send me. I paid for it, but he didn't send me the uh, the link. So he must not have done it this year. So I guess I'm already prepaid for the Masters next year. <laughs> Fair enough. I probably wouldn't have taken Morikawa, though. I would have probably taken Raman Ustusen, so I would have done all right. But All right, but when Morikawa does play his next first attempt at anything you're gonna put some money down i right? think you gotta i think you have to yeah <laughs> for sure 25 percent chance he'll uh, win it so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then some big news out of the soccer world uh lionel messi fresh off of winning uh the copa america with argentina signs a five-year contract to return to barcelona he's going to take a massive pay cut 50 percent uh, so he'll be only getting paid somewhere in the neighborhood of 85 million a year. Somewhere only. in the neighborhood. I mean, that's a lot of money, but when you're making 165 type thing, you know, that's a big pay cut. Not like he needs the fucking money, but yeah, only, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that do you think that he's still a starter at that point? I mean, he is for the next few years for sure. Next, let's say next two, for sure he is. What uh, is he? 35 so he's 34 right now because his contract takes him until he's 39 so you know i would say yeah probably the next two years he's still a starter uh but then he'll like probably for first substitution right and yeah so he'll he'll you know pass on all his knowledge to uh to the next up and comer and uh you know see what his legacy can bring uh for the next five years here in barcelona is he still playing a striker role or is he more of a midfielder at this point? As far as I know, he's still a striker, but I'm not 100% sure. Just, I wouldn't think the speed would be there, but the no. man can drib- dribble around anyone. 100%. His footwork is pretty much second to none. So, Just draws them in, just passes it off. Yeah, exactly. And, and that opens up, you know, two guys because – there's got to be at least two or three guys around Messi pretty much most times. So especially, uh, you know, near the box. So. Speaking of a box, let's get into our penalty boxes. Jess, who you got? So Saturday night in the Bronx, a fan threw a ball that hit Alex Verdugo, who plays for the Red Sox, him in the back. It was right prior to the start of the bottom of the sixth inning. And for me, like, this is just embarrassing. This this guy was ejected. The umps were all trying to look for him and point him out. Fans were helping him try to figure out who it was because, like, they don't want that nonsense there. Like, I'm pretty sure he's banned from Yankee Stadium. I'm not sure if he's going to be banned for in any other MLB, but, like, that's just that's the most cowardly thing you can do. They should ban him from every ballpark. Yeah. Like you can, you can, you pay for your ticket. You can heckle Verdugo, whatever you want, but like, come on, man. Like that could, if that injured him, you know, he, oh, I believe, man. I believe he is being arrested for possibly assault. And like Verdugo turned around and just started like, just giving it to the fans. Oh yeah. He was not happy. 
Yeah. So I, I, I think he acted well. One, he's he's on my fantasy team, so I've I've got a little bit higher <laughs> bias against him. But and he's been a really good player this year. But like, and I can't handle any more injuries. <laughs> 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 I uh, I'm glad he gave him the screws. Like like that doesn't belong in baseball. Like you guys are like you're allowed out to see sports. We have yet to, I have yet to see sports yet. So uh, yeah, that, sorry, that fan is banned for life from all MLB games. It is all. I knew it was, I knew it was from Yankees. I didn't know if it was all. Here's the problem though. Does, does a security guard in fucking in Toronto, in Miami, do they like, you're not going to have a picture of this guy. There's so many banned people. Like this guy is definitely going to be able to get into a stadium somewhere. He won't maybe get in Yankee stadium or maybe in Boston, but he gets in somewhere guaranteed. I think, yeah. Like he can't buy his own ticket because I'll right. Unless he changes his name and get, or steals a credit card more or less, but like scalping tickets. Like I think they'll probably in Yankee stadium, they'll have, They'll know people that say like this guy, like watch out for him. If you see him in the building, get him the hell out of here. But anywhere else, yeah, you're right. You know, like it's gonna be so hard to stop him from getting into another ball game. Well, and you see, I mean, at every gate, you know, at every stadium, they're letting in, you know, five thousand people in every gate. Like that's gonna be difficult to pick that guy out of those five thousand people and say, Oh fuck, that's the guy. You know, it it's tough, but they, they did the right thing by, by banning them everywhere. It's just going to be hard to uh, completely enforce it everywhere just because it's, it's tough. Man. <laughs> it is tough. And it, like you said, it probably won't happen, but I think you got to throw it out there and let every team know that this goofball, they definitely got a picture of him and his name. Don't let this guy buy tickets from whatever site. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully it's it's kind of a a warning to other people that this is not going to be tolerated, and hopefully he hopefully he does have something uh, you know legally where he gets dinged for something here, assault or what have you, because that's going to be even more for other players or sorry other fans to be like, oh fuck, you know, I really don't like that player, but I best not do anything because I you know going to be banned and then I could be charged uh, criminally or, or what have you. So um, I, I like that they're. They're banning him. I like that they're potentially going to charge him here. Um, and I think you got to throw the book at every fucking person that does this just to get the point across. For sure. Graham, who do you have in your box? Uh, well, this might be a little bit old news now, but um, Ken Holland, who is the GM of the Oilers, um, longtime GM of the Detroit Red Wings, um, won a few cups, you know, roughly about four. Um, so he should know what he's doing. Um, apparently he likes nostalgia and uh, decided to go f- try to win the 2015 Stanley Cup by acquiring Duncan Keith from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, now Keith wanted a trade to Western Canada. He hasn't seen his eight-year-old son very much and um, <clears throat> wanted out of Chicago. Didn't want the border restrictions, even though things are lightening up. So should uh Edmonton had all the leverage they knew that Keith wanted to go there and they still gave up a young defenseman who kind of needed a fresh start and a third round pick for Duncan Keith for two more years at five and a half million 
no salary retained. Um, this, you know, could be a good trade for the Oilers, but right now with cap space being such a hot commodity um, and the expansion draft coming, it's, to me, it's a, it doesn't make any sense on why um, or Ken Holland would make this trade. Um, and especially when they had all the leverage on, well, you know, Calgary's not in it. Vancouver's not in it. Seattle's not in it. Um, where else could he go? So I understand the leadership. I understand that, but you know, he's going to be in this contract till he's 40 years old. Um, Cause he has two years left. So what do you guys think of that, uh, that trade that we did not talk about earlier? I mean, it's interesting. Um, I think the age is probably going to be the biggest factor here. And can he play at a high level and can he, they're a, Edmonton's a fast team. So can he play at that speed? Uh, you know, I know he's a defenseman and you don't necessarily need to be as fast, but uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting interesting season here uh like you said the leadership will be huge that's definitely a good thing and he's going to teach uh some of these younger defensemen quite a bit but can he keep up with the team i think that's going to be the for me that's the biggest uh, question mark yeah like in a reduced role he probably might be able to but you know that's hard to say right now and like i said with no salary retained it's just a it's a ken you need to be in the penalty box I mean, like you said, his age is ridiculous. Like the guy's 38 years old. Yeah. And he was not good with Chicago last year. Last five years, he's been slowly declining. Yeah, he's been pretty bad, like you said, like for the last five years. And I don't really know the NHL offseason or anything like that, but just looking at his statistics over the last couple of years, I'm like, it sounds like it's a lot of money. Like, especially that, like you said, Cap is a hot commodity right now, and and Chicago isn't retaining anything. No. And they got a third-round pick. Yeah. It's a terrible fucking trade. That's what we call getting fleeced is what yes. you call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's uh, like, the timing of it is one of those things, too, right? Like, you know, the expansion draft coming up. Like, they protected Keith with – um after trading for him it's just one of those it does you have to at that point you gave him so much (laughs) yeah and it's and keith is one of the last five deals that are uh to have cap recapture penalties if the player retires early and if he retires early then the oh yeah it's so if you retire it still is a hit on the cap for the team that you are playing for if they're not the team that signed it so for instance, Shea Weber, if he retires, Nashville will get a capture cap recapture penalty because they signed that deal. Never heard of that really? before. If Shea Weber retires this year, I think it's upwards of like a $24 million cap hit. Holy fuck, that's huge. For just because Weber retired. Like, and it's not as steep for Keith, but it's uh yeah, it's ridiculous. Now in the Shea Weber thing here because his he's potentially injuries could potentially make him retire does that have any effect on it because no like it's potentially not his choice but it's injuries right right if there if the injury like is deemed um like you can't play through it like it's a career-ending injury and you're still under contract you can go on ltir your contract can still get traded it's kind of it's really dumb but um 
yeah, there's uh, Weber, and then there's four other players, including Keith Crosby, Jonathan Quick, um, as well, or one of the, or some of those contracts. So, hmm. yeah, it just it to back to Ken to Ken Holland and the Oilers. It's just a terrible, terrible trade. I've never heard of that you have to pay for a guy that's retired before. Oh yeah, but like the team that signed it, even though you traded that player, still has to like Luongo, like. Um, Vancouver, since they signed that deal with Luongo and he retired, they got a cap recapture penalty. It was like $4 million or something. When he went back to Florida, right? Yeah, even when he went back to Florida. That is just stupid. The guy's not in the league. How is he on your cap? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Like, if he's bought out, it's different, but... Like, I understand if, if no one picks up him and he still wants to play, then he's hurting and you cut him. I understand that. But if it, the fact that the guy doesn't want to play and you still have to, he's still hurting your cap, doesn't make sense to me. Oh, I know. It's, it's the dumbest. Like, that's why I said, like, the NHL salary cap is messed. Just to put it in perspective, when Luck, Andrew Luck, was, was retired, none of his cap hit was against the Colts at all. Same thing with Megatron. Any yep. person that retires, it doesn't go against the cap. Now, if they come back, it goes against the cap for sure. And you have to figure out a way either to trade them, to get rid of them, because they don't want to obviously play for you. That was the whole reason that they retired. That happened, that's what happened with Gronk, right? Right. So they had to trade him. So they, I think they traded him for like a late fourth round pick or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when he retired... His cap wasn't against the Patriots. Right. Now, I can't remember if the Patriots held any money from that because they had guaranteed money because it's a little bit different in the NFL where guaranteed money stays with the person that signed them for the most part. Or right. unless the person agrees to take that guaranteed money at a lower percent of the trade. So you can trade guaranteed money. It's it's all over the place for that, but it it's just weird that someone that decides I'm not playing, like after just signing a huge contract, like Aaron Rodgers, who who like is going to sit out this year, he's not going to count against the cap because he's refusing to play. He's a, a, essentially retired. Right. It's I just it doesn't make it's, sense it, to me. It, you know, it makes zero sense. Okay, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, no, no. Like it, like you can understand the like why like not why but you understand like what is happening but you don't understand why so anyways that's that's who's in my penalty box josh who's in your penalty box uh i got bryson dechambeau he uh back to the british open here he after his first round horrible play shitty play in the first round of the british open he is in an interview and he says that his driver sucked so he's blaming his driver for his shitty play, and uh, you know you can't you can't do that. You can't you can't chirp your your sponsor, the guy that puts clubs in your bag. That's so <laughs> stupid. And speaking of stupid, that's what the Cobra rep said. Cobra is the uh, is a driver that he uses, and the Cobra rep said it's just painful when he says something stupid. And the rep continues. He goes on to say that uh, Bryson blaming the club for his shitty play. You know I'm. I'm uh, paraphrasing, <laughs> paraphrasing there, but uh, that is something that his eight-year-old would do, you know? And so 
basically, you know, he Bryson needs to own up and say that he sucked and not the driver. And eventually he did uh, own up to it. And he apologized saying that it wasn't the driver. It was him that sucked. But, uh, you know, for, for a pro to say this, like get your shit together. It was obviously you, the, the clubs are great. Like, sure. You might not like the lie of the, you know, the angle of the face or what have you, but either way, you can't say that, that it was your clubs and your equipment because clearly it was you. Like I blame my clubs, but that's because it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're not a fucking <laughs> pro. So <laughs> that was the whole situation here is that he was just frustrated in that moment. A hundred percent. But at the same time, like DeShambo is a rising star. So you don't think you could find another rep? I'm sure he could, but you know, it's still something you just don't do. Right. I don't know, man. Like there's a lot of goofy athletes that decide to do this stuff and they usually win against the, the rep, whoever they're repping kind of thing like that. So to, for Cobra to come out and say is something that an eight year old would do is like putting a lot of shame on him. Whereas I would think that like, you wouldn't want to put too much shame on him. He's like, you could just say like, he just had a bad day and is feeling frustrated, but he, they actually just like pretty much went after DeShambo who is a great player like and he hits and don't you want one of the guys that can actually hit the ball as far as he can one of the furthest guys in the pga tour to be hitting your driver i mean you, you'd want that but you also don't want him to say that the fucking club sucks so. <laughs> <laughs> right but you just but i agree with you you don't want that but the way that he the way that the rep came out i f- i feel like threw a lot of shade on him yeah for I, sure and for i sure. feel like i feel Deshambo could have had a lot more power there and could have been like, okay, well, well, I'll try a different one since since they feel like I'm an eight year old. Like, yeah, and who knows? Maybe at the end, point of the to season. his pipe pipes at that point and say like, <laughs> yeah, this these are eight year old pipe, pipes. So like, <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? You might see next year. Maybe he's rolling with a different uh, company. But who knows? We don't know. But uh, so his Deshambo's uh, his bestie Brooks Kepka. We all know <laughs> that they fucking hate each other. So Kepka decides that he's going to uh, troll DeChambeau uh, in a post-second round interview. And he says, oh, I drove the ball great. He says, I love my driver. And he's got a big old smirk on his face as he's saying it. It would have been better if he had like the Cobra driver right For there. sure, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who uh, who Kepka uses offhand, but uh, that would have been pretty funny if it was a Cobra driver. Uh, so then Kepka also tweeted a photo of himself after a presumably great drive at the British Open with a caption of driving into the weekend. So <laughs> it was pretty funny. I just love how these guys go back and forth. And if there is ever a tournament where these guys are paired up together, it is going to be a fucking shit show. And it's going to be so funny. And you have, you're going to have to watch it. Even if you don't watch golf, you're going to have to watch it because it'll be funny as hell. I want microphones in both their pockets. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Oh, yeah. Cause there'll be so many just little things, you know, somebody like he'll be calculus calculating something to shambo will. And then Kepka will say something under his breath and it, there, it would just be fucking hilarious. So, um, but like Kepka can now live in his head. Cause he's, he's got the last troll over him. Like, yep, like how sure. he has been doing it. Like, especially when he's saying like, I can make it through those woods, no problem. And then Kepka should be like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Daddies or something. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our points and penalties scores. We just had the one challenge today. Thanks, Graham. Appreciate that. 
Yep. So the challenge was uh, the most rookie home runs. Jess said it was Alonzo. Uh, Graham said it was not Alonzo. (laughs) 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 And Jesse was right. So Jesse gets plus one for the day. Graham will be minus one for the day. Uh, I'm even on the challenges, but I got a plus one for the home run derby bracket, which leaves our uh, season stats at Pedro's got a plus nine. Kevin's got a minus 12. Jesse will have... I should be at a plus three, I believe. Plus three? Hmm. All right. Plus three. Jesse's either a plus two or a plus three. We're not 100% sure. We didn't get any points on the home run. No, no, exactly. So I didn't lose any either. But I was at a plus two last week, I'm pretty sure. Okay, we'll have to look into that. Um, I will be at a plus one for the season. Graham, you are now at a minus two. And the line is at a minus four. Josh, was this you just wanted to make sure that we got it on that you were in a plus? Yeah, man, I am now back in the positive (laughs) and I love it. I was hoping that we could, like, you couldn't hold on to that plus for a full week. (laughs) Yeah, you never said anything challengeable. No, no. you did, you did in the the baseball, but it was all it was. I don't want to win that way anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Tell Peter that. All right, so Graham, how was your drink? It was, it was fantastic. Reminds me of slow pitch. Uh, Jesse, how was your drink? The Kapow by Rainhard Brewing was pretty citrusy. They have a bunch of grapefruit in there and everything like that, but I lost out in the the per- alcohol percentage to Josh by barely anything. It was still really good. Yours, tell me how your percentage more was. My Skeleton Park Brewery, Amber 6.6 was great. Uh, Very tasty, actually. I really liked it. And I'll definitely get this one again. So, guys, going to wrap this up real quick. So, for everyone here at Points and Penalties, thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week... Stay out of the family box. box.